The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, episode number 49. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple so that you can fuel your best with less. Less time, less money, and less stress. I'm Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition, and I'm excited to have you join me on this journey. Each week, I'll be sharing expert advice from leaders in the field of nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and supplementation who actually practice what they preach and are also on a mission to positively impact as many people as possible in a meaningful way. Today's episode is brought to you by my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. When you use the Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during, and post-workout supplements. You can save time, money, and energy, and get all the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. Make sure you guys stay tuned after the show where I'll share a nice little discount for all of our listeners on your first product purchase. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 49 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I am your host, Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSLNutrition.com. Today on the show, we have Dr. Jack Wolfson. Jack Wolfson D.O. is a board-certified cardiologist who grew tired of patients failing to truly get well while sometimes even feeling worse using pharmaceuticals and procedures. As a result of that, he opened up Wolfson Integrative Cardiology, where he now uses in-depth testing and targeted nutrition to prevent and treat cardiovascular disease. He treats the whole person getting to the cause of the issue instead of treating only the symptoms. Dr. Wolfson offers practical solutions for heart health in person at his office in Paradise Valley, Arizona, and he is the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Paleo Cardiologist. I found this conversation with Dr. Wolfson really fascinating. I mean, to go from a board-certified cardiologist rooted in allopathic medicine, you know, working with patients day in and day out, prescribing medications, prescribing stress tests, seeing patients for 7 to 10 minutes at a time, to completely transform his practice into one of integrative medicine, if you will, to one of complete holistic nature. Dr. Wolfson absolutely practices what he preaches in terms of practicing a a paleo lifestyle, not just a paleo diet, but a paleo lifestyle. And I know Dr. Wolfson personally because he's also a resident here in in Phoenix, Arizona, and I can tell you with 100% confidence that this man absolutely knows, believes, and practices what he preaches and is getting unbelievable results because of what he does. And so I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. And if you do, then uh, obviously do us a favor and share this. Share this episode with one person. All I ask is you share it with one person that you think could benefit. Maybe it's someone who's had a heart attack. You know, maybe it's someone who you think is en route to having a heart attack. Maybe they're on statin medications. Maybe they're on hypertension uh, medications. Maybe they have a very poor diet and lifestyle. And maybe this is something that they need to hear. And so give it a share. Give it a like. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes so you guys don't miss an episode. And uh, I hope you enjoy. Dr. Jack Wolfson, how you doing, brother? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And appreciate the work you're doing and having me on your show. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's great to connect again. Um, I'm, I'm super impressed with everything that you've been up to. For those uh, of our listeners that aren't familiar with you and your book, uh, The Paleocardiologist, maybe you could give us just a quick synopsis of your journey from you know, traditional medicine into now whatever you call it, integrative medicine or exactly what you're doing. Sure thing. So I'm a board certified cardiologist and I went through four years of osteopathic medical school, three years of internal medicine, three years of cardiology. I joined the biggest group in the state of Arizona where I eventually became a senior partner and doing angiograms, pacemakers, dealing with the sickest of the sick. And it was, uh, it was, pretty unfulfilling for me because there's so much sickness and it's just the hospital's a revolving door. Somebody comes in, you know, with a heart attack and then you send them back out and they come in later and they need more stents or bypass surgery. And it's, it was very frustrating. And I was working very hard seeing a lot of patients, a lot of pills, a lot of procedures. And at the same time, my father also got sick and my father was a very successful cardiologist in Chicago. And seeing him get sick with a Parkinson's-like illness, and even the doctors at the Mayo Clinic have no idea what happened to him, no treatment for him, and they said he would be dead within a few years, and he died within a few years, a cruel and tortuous death at the age of 63. 
And along that, right at the very end, I met the woman who would become my wife, and she is a doctor of chiropractic, as they say, a doctor of cause. And she opened up my eyes to what was the matter with my father. And she said, what's killing your father is the poor nutrition, the poor lifestyle, the poor sleep, the poor sunshine, uh, environmental pollutants and toxins, all these different things that you and I you know, easily know now was all brand new to me, even after all the education I had. And I started to change my practice, change my life, start my own practice. And it's been an absolute amazing whirlwind ever since. And it gets me uh, on podcasts with, uh, with uh, uh, you know, real, real healers and providers like people like yourself. So it's great. That's an amazing story. Now, I imagine it must have been quite a transition, quite a learning experience. I mean, even just opening yourself up to, you know, accepting the I don't know, alternative medicine information, the fact that nutrition could be playing a role, the fact that lifestyle could be playing a role, especially coming from allopathic medicine. I I mean, how do you, how did you start to accept those uh, philosophies? Well, it's not easy to accept it. And I think that's why most medical doctors don't. It's that it just rocks the entire foundation Mm -hmm. of everything you've ever been taught. And when someone comes into your life that provides that inspiration or that muse, you know, to open up your eyes to the reality. Um, you know, you know, some people will accept it and a lot of people will run away from it. Number one reason to run away from it would be that it rocks, you know, everything, you know, you've ever been educated and trained. But number two is that financially, it's not very, it's not a good financial decision for a cardiologist to say, you know what, I'm going to scrap the whole insurance industry. I don't believe in anything these people are doing. I'm going to break free of the pill and procedure model and start my own practice. It's, uh, it's not for everybody, which is sad. It should be for everybody. But it's just when you graduate with all those bills and all the medical school loans to pay back, and now you're finally making good money, and then to throw it all away uh, like I did in a sense, uh, not many people are going to do that. So I think that's why you don't find a lot of people in this space uh, like myself as a holistic cardiologist. But there are some and there's more people coming along and uh, hopefully training programs will continue to explore, you know, what, what they would call alternative, you know, health, what we would call natural health and wellness. And they are the pharmaceutical industrial chemical complex. Uh, um, not many people are going to once again, you know, hopefully, hopefully the training programs will start to embrace uh, what we're doing. Are you finding that more traditionally trained medical doctors are making their way towards more alternative medicine as a means to heal their patients because they're finding that the the traditional route isn't working? Well, I think that people are, I think that doctors are likely going to start, not necessarily because they've seen the success, although I'm sure a lot of them have, and a lot of them that I've met are transitioning because of that. But I think it's just where the public is driving them to. It'll be the public, the individual people Mm -hmm. that really call on their physicians to come up with something different. And when enough people ask their healthcare provider or their sick care provider about probiotics, digestive enzymes, about taking a multivitamin, about you know, uh, uh, you know, exercise recovery powders, when enough people are asking their doctor, the doctor is going to have to realize that they either change or they're going to be left behind. And I think once again, that most, uh, you know, a lot of doctors, a lot of training programs, a lot of people are really jumping on board. A lot of doctors write uh, about these things as well. So I think it's very exciting. I think it's a very, very exciting time in health and wellness. People make fun of, uh, you know, people like you and I, or, you know, our associates and like, oh, you're a doctor at Google, you got your degree on Google. Well, you know, Google takes us to PubMed.gov, which is the, <laughs> the housing station of the medical literature. So uh, the internet is a very, very powerful uh, tool. And it's no longer the 1970s where it's like, you know, you go into the doctor's office and the doctor says, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. We now have better. We can do better. And we can actually say, hey, I heard that curcumin is good for inflammation. I don't need aspirin or taking fish oil or some of these other natural remedies, systemic enzymes, whatever it may be to really alleviate the pain or even going back further from that and avoiding some of the toxic foods and toxic lifestyle that leads to the pain in the first place. Yeah. And there, and you know, there's also a lot of research to support a lot of the practices that uh, you and I are implementing to support a lot of herbal supplements that help reduce inflammation and balance blood sugar and, and, and all of those types of things as well. And so, but you know, the medical doctor isn't, isn't looking at that. I mean, I can only tell you, Ben, that, you know, if I would pick up 
a magazine like you know this, for example, sitting on my desk, the uh, you know Journal of the American College of Cardiology, and I'm looking and I'm looking at oh, you know, here's a new drug, here's a new procedure, and then there's an article that talks about lead uh, and cardiovascular disease. I'm like lead and cardiovascular disease, who cares? Or obesity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, deficiency and cardiomyopathy, you know, it's yeah. just not exciting. So if you take my book, you know, here comes my my shameless book promo, right? You Brilliant. take my book. And I've got 300 references in my book. And it's just the cardiologists are not reading those studies. They're just reading other things uh, that uh, aren't really pertinent towards, you know, towards really getting a person healthy. But if you call me to the mat and say, oh, Wolfson was an amazing cardiologist. And then he went off the deep end after meeting his chiropractic wife. And he wrote this book. Well, I've got 300 references in the book, uh, all from mainstream literature. You know, take a look. And I'm sure you have countless testimonials as well. And so... We both know you're doing you're doing great work. So okay, so you 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 meet your wife Heather, and and you're you kind of you're buying into um, to the idea that okay, it's so much more than just prescriptions. It's about lifestyle, and it's about nutrition, and and it's about mindset and supplementation and and quality of life and avoiding environmental toxicities and all of these things that I talk about in the show nonstop. So what was it about the, because obviously you're known as the paleo cardiologist. So what is it about the paleo diet per se that is so appealing? And, and I guess there's two parts to that. One is what exactly does the paleo diet mean to you? And why is it so beneficial for people to integrate into their lifestyle? Um, you know, the book is called the paleo cardiologist and I have a couple chapters on nutrition but it's also about living the paleo lifestyle. It's about using the wisdom of our ancestors to live healthy today. And there are so many different diets that are out there, right? I mean, there's the vegan diet and there's vegetarian and there's Mediterranean and now everybody's all on the keto bandwagon. Paleo to me is just about the diet of our ancestors. What are the foods that our ancestors ate? And this is very, very clear. Uh, And there's tons of books written on it. And there's explorers who have documented, and there's modern day paleo peoples. When we eat tons of plants and we eat free range grass fed meat and certainly wild seafood, that is the perfect diet. Mm-hmm. That is how our ancestors have done it for millions of years. Why try and reinvent the wheel? I mean, what if someone came out and said, Hey, I got this new plan and it's called the helium prescription. Instead of breathing air, we're going to breathe helium. You'd laugh in their face. And that's how I feel when people come up with some of these strange diets that I think are okay for a cleanse, and whether you go vegan cleanse or a keto cleanse. But to me, paleo encompasses everything that our ancestors have done. The foundation of my paleo pyramid is all vegetables. But here's the kicker is that no matter what diet you follow, please make it all organic. Uh, get the chemicals out of your food. Drink organic coffee. If ice cream's your thing, get free-range grass-fed ice cream. If dairy is your thing, try and find raw dairy and certainly organic dairy. So um, it's okay to have some vices. Just make sure that you do them organically. And hopefully we can all agree uh, that, uh, you know, that eating organic foods is key. We can all agree that uh, sugar is a villain in this equation, uh, that artificial sweeteners and the chemicals and the pesticides and glyphosate and the GMOs that those are problematic. So you can have your cake and eat it too. I don't know why it is that we have all these versions of the paleo diet and kind of is ridiculous, but the, the, the underlying premise is like, okay, um, foods that mother nature provides, right? Mostly vegetables, um, animal products that eat what they're supposed to eat. I'm assuming some nuts and seeds, healthy fats from like avocado, the nuts and seeds. Are you like a coconut oil guy? Are you an olive oil guy? What's your like healthy fats? Well, I'm not big on like shoving in some of these oils, like on some of these diet plans or some of these keto people would be. Uh, Even the late, you know, Robert Atkins, you know, I mean, Atkins Atkins diet was one of the most well-published, well-read diets in the world. uh, And it still is. And I saw a debate in the year 2000 between Dean Ornish, who is famous for, for low fat, and Atkins low carb. And I walked out of that debate from the American College of Cardiology meetings in Orlando back in 2000. And I said, I'm definitely a low carb guy. It made perfect sense. So um, when it comes to all those, the, all those extra oils and whatnot, I think that eating oils that are in the foods and like eating coconut mm-hmm. and stuff like that, avocado, I think that is no doubt absolute pure brain food. 
absolutely incredible. But as far as excess oil, I don't go too easy on the oils. Yeah. Um, like if I'm if I'm doing a salad, I can have a dry salad. It could just be a big bowl of vegetables, and I can have olives in there, and I can have nuts and seeds in there, and maybe a little bit of olive oil. Um, uh, you know, with uh, 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 apple cider vinegar. I make my own salad dressing, you know, in our house. And for the salad dressing, you take out the blender and you get your olive oil in there. You get your apple cider vinegar or lemon, and then you put some anchovies in there and you put some capers and capers are the best source of quercetin, which is so anti-inflammatory. Capers are kind of hard to fit into the diet. So throw them in the blender, you know, whatever you're afraid to eat, throw them in the blender. Uh, and then of course, open up the spice drawer, the spice drawer, and just all those spices are nature's pharmaceuticals, nature's pharmacy dump them all in the dressing. This is a great way to get it into your kids and stuff like that. And uh, um, so I guess that that's my take on oils. Now, that being said, you know, Ben, as you know, if you look at the Mediterranean diet, like those people are sucking down olive oil, like uh, the average person eats M&Ms. I mean, mm -hmm. so, uh, and those people in the Mediterranean that follow that, that's the most studied diet in the world is the Mediterranean, more so than anything, anything else. It's got the most amount of data, most amount of people that have followed the Mediterranean and they've got great outcomes. So uh, I can't really sit here and vilify uh, all those excess oils. I'm just telling you kind of about me personally and maybe what is more paleo-esque. Sure. Yeah, I know that makes perfect sense. And, and I'm with you. I think a lot of people get in trouble with the amount of fat uh, intake that they use simply from a caloric standpoint, if not, you know, to say nothing about the impact. And that's part of what I want to talk to you about, but to say nothing of the impact on their overall health. And so you know, with the paleo diet, I think there's a lot of naysayers that suggest that you need to be concerned about the amount of saturated fat that you're consuming. And, and where are we now in terms of the, the research and literature to, to say yes or no? Is, is, is saturated fat directly linked to an increase in cholesterol? Is that a bad thing? What are we looking at here? Well, listen, I think you can find data these days to pretty much support whatever you want your argument to be. Yet, if you look at articles, review summaries on hundreds of thousands of patients from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition 2010, 2014, British Journal of Nutrition 2015. They are looking at all these people and they find that saturated fat is not linked to cardiovascular risk. And uh, you know, saturated fat is very high in breast milk. Is breast milk bad? Mm -hmm. Saturated fat is in an egg. Everything in a chicken needs to come to life. So saturated fat is extremely important. We, we definitely need to incorporate that in our diets. And I think also that when you work with a holistic provider, you get tested, you know, mm -hmm. so you don't, I, I would never take anyone's word for it. I like looking at the blood test individual person, and then we can really dial in because all of us talking heads, the medical doctors, the, uh, you know, the Dean Ornishes and the Esselsons and the Colin Campbells and all these different vegan people talking about XYZ. You know what? To the individual person, that means just about nothing. So follow a plan, get tested, see how you feel, see how you look, see how your numbers look. Yeah. Because on a daily basis, I see a lot of clients, I see a lot of patients. And when they follow my plan, they feel great, they look great, and their numbers are great. So I really don't care about the newest fangled diet. I know that my system works. And if it's not working, then obviously we tweak it. So uh, I, think it's, I think that's the best approach because genetics can certainly come in and people have some issues. You know, some people have problems, you know, the APOE people have difficulty with high uh, high fat diets. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of vegans out there in the world that say not a big deal. Meanwhile, I do gluten testing on people and I see antibody explosions all the time. I see evidence of leaky gut in these people. You clear gluten out of their diet and their symptoms and their numbers look great. So, um, follow nature. Yeah. So cool. So if someone's, so, so for those people listening, because, you know, it's, as far as conventional wisdom goes, when we're talking about fat, all, you know, intuitively we, we think then about our cholesterol numbers and getting the conventional blood work and then looking at cholesterol. And as far as I know, that's you know, what uh, physicians are referencing in terms of determining our risk of cardiovascular disease. How relevant is just looking at total cholesterol or just looking at uh, total cholesterol and HDL, LDL? Is it relevant to just look at those and what else should we be looking for? Well, here is where conventional cardi is to, cardiology is today. 
they don't even care what your blood tests are. They just look at the 50-year-old man with borderline hypertension, borderline diabetes, and say, that person needs a maximum dose of statin drug. They wow. don't care what your lipids are. Total cholesterol, since the 1970s, we've known that it's not a very good predictor of cardiovascular risk and certainly not of overall mortality risk because people above 260, they have a higher risk of dying and people below 260 have a higher risk of dying. So the sweet spot for total cholesterol was 160 to 260. Well, then they started looking at the LDL marker and the LDL marker was not a good marker either. And now we know in 21st century medicine, the best way to do it is look at those advanced biomarkers, looking at LDL particles, HDL particles, better referenced, I think, as far as ApoB and ApoA. Mm -hmm. And the ApoB to ApoA ratio is the number one predictor in the lipid space. Or better indicator than total cholesterol, LDL, HDL, any of it. It's that ApoB, ApoA1 ratio. So find a physician to get tested. And if your ratio looks good, and then also the next part of the advanced testing is going to be looking at all those markers of inflammation, HSCRP, oxidized LDL, phospholipase A2, uh, fibrinogen, myeloperoxidase, you know, F2 isoprostanes. You can go on and on and on about all these different markers, and that's great. So get tested and see exactly where you're at. So don't take my word for it. Don't take Esselstyn or you know, the, the firefighter turned, um, you know, nutrition guru, yeah, right. uh, all due respect to nutrition, uh, or to, uh, firefighters. Um, you know, I mean, can you imagine, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't mean to insult them and I'm not an insulting firefighters, obviously, but, uh, the firefighter comes to whole foods, uh, up by us, you know, on Mayo Boulevard. Right. And he's going to be there and he's doing a book signing about his diet. I mean, go, uh, write a book on how to fight fires and I'm going to go sign it outside yeah. of a you know, fire station. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it wouldn't go over so well. But anyways, uh, get tested, find someone to order the most advanced testing in the world. And that's the best way to do it for you, the individual. Yeah. And even, even just some of the other biomarkers, like ne necessarily all of them, but even if they're testing the APO um, A and B, you know, that you suggested, even if they're looking a little bit deeper, looking at C-reactive protein, you know, maybe digging a little bit deeper into some of their blood sugar numbers, then that in and of itself would give them a better representation than just looking at the, the total cholesterol, correct? No doubt. The more information, the better. So there's testing available for heavy metals and for leaky gut and advanced thyroid and autoimmune panels and advanced blood sugar panels and uric acid and homocysteine and genetics. I mean, it goes on and on about all the different possibilities of stuff that we could test for. And why not? I mean, the more, more information, the better. I think information provides us as a baseline and then we can start a plan and then retest. And I think also information is also a nice kick in the ass to get a, a piece of paper that says you're at risk. And I think that's very motivating to people yeah. to start making changes. So what, what is it, um, you know, what do you see happen with some of these markers once someone starts to adopt a more paleo lifestyle? Uh, you know, what happens? I, I mean, do you see that the cholesterol numbers, do you care that the cholesterol numbers change? What else, you know, do you start to see? You definitely start to see it and you start to see it very quickly. And what I like to do is, is that I like for people to find their perfect paleo cholesterol or their caveman or cave person cholesterol. That's what really matters. So if you and I were walking around uh, the planet earth 10,000 years ago, and we'd be eating perfect foods and we'd be in perfect shape, we would be perfect, perfect specimens. But your total you know, cholesterol would be different from mine. Uh, and that's what we try and achieve is that in, uh, you know, find, that, find that perfect level for you because that's how your body will function the best because you need cholesterol to make, you know, make your hormones, to make your vitamin D for your digestion, uh, for brain function, for immune function. You need you know, healthy levels of cholesterol. You just find the perfect levels for the individual person and they will do well. So what other components are involved in your paleo lifestyle. So obviously it's the foods that we talked about, but what are the other things that make a significant difference in affecting these biomarkers and someone's overall cardiovascular risk, as well as risk of all-cause mortality? 
Well, back in back in 2015, my book was released. And in my book, I said, in my chapter on sunshine, I said, be careful on the weekends when you come by the Wolfson house, because we're likely going to be naked in, uh, in the backyard running around. So I think that sunshine is one of the most important things that we can get. Humans have been in the sun for millions of years. The sun's been around for like 11 billion years, whatever that is. And the earth's been around for four and a half billion. We've been in the sun forever. The sun is here. The sun nourishes us in so many different ways that science is just starting to scratch the surface on. So getting that sunshine is so critical. And when I speak all over the country, you know, I tell people, you know, hey, listen, or even when I see patients, I see a lot of people from Canada, from Minnesota, upstate New York. I mean, that's where like so much sickness uh, arises because people are away from the sunshine. The closer you are to the equator, the better off your health is. The closer you are to the equator, the better your cholesterol and lower your cardiovascular risk. Because what happens is that when you are exposed to the sun, instead of your body making cholesterol, it makes vitamins. So to me, high cholesterol is often a sunshine deficiency syndrome. And when you get people more exposed to the sun, they do that much better. And I tell people, hey, you know, if you live in Minnesota, upstate New York, wherever you're from, uh, what, what do I recommend? Move. Like move to Arizona, right? It's sunny here <laughs> yeah. 400 days a year. It's sunny here at night. So uh, uh, move to a climate or at least take a lot of vacations or suffer the consequences, right? That's what you, you know, people like you and I do, Ben. We tell people the information. Uh, we give them the answer. And what they do with it is up to them. So my old practice, obviously, you know, my answer was pills and procedures, and it was a horrible, horrible Band-Aid approach at best uh, versus now where it's like, hey, here's the information. I'm going to help you. I'll help. I got my staff. I got my health coaches. I got my nurse practitioner. I got people to help you with this. I'm here to help you with this. But, you know, the, the heavy lifting still has to be done by you, right? There's nothing Ben Brown can do to increase someone's biceps except work. Yeah. And... And it's not good enough to just supplement with vitamin D. I mean, you have to physically be in the sun and, and you have to get enough uh, sun exposure actually into your eyes, right, without sunglasses and a certain amount of, of sun exposure without sunscreen all over your body to say nothing of, of how toxic certain sunscreens can be. Well, certainly uh, sun, sunshine is good. Sun, sunburn is bad, sunshine yeah. is good. But there was another article that just came out in the Journal of Clinical Lipidology, and uh, it's really kind of one of the first of its kind where it shows that people who take vitamin D supplementation, it actually raised their cholesterol levels. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why it's doing that is because, you know, as, as you take, you know, you, you take your fats, your carbs, and your proteins, those all get broken down into acetyl-CoA. Mm -hmm. is a small molecule that now feeds the energy cycle and helps you produce energy, but it can also go on to form cholesterol. And right before it forms cholesterol, like I said, if the sun hits that uh, precursor, if the sun hits it, it'll turn into vitamin D. But if you have a lot of vitamin D from an outside source, from a supplement, well, now the body isn't going to make it because it says I've got enough of it and it filters down into excess lipids. So I'm a little concerned about vitamin D therapy. I think there's, um, uh, you know, d d well, let's just say that the answer is the sun. The answer is not in the, uh, in the tube. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've talked to other practitioners specifically. I, I have a, a colleague, uh, Dr. Garrett Smith in Tucson, uh, but he's, done a, he's doing a lot of testing into vitamin D and does a lot of hair mineral analysis testing. And he's been talking for quite some time about how vitamin D supplementation, especially the fact that we're talking about bolus dosing, um, can be you know create toxic environment for people. So we won't we won't go down that road, but just stressing the importance of actually getting into the sun, exposing your skin and even your genitalia to the to the sun for ten or fifteen or twenty minutes. Um, you know, in Phoenix on a beautiful day like today, um, a little can go quite quite a long way, and so. Uh, what, yeah, else besides, what else besides uh, sunlight exposure? Well, you know, listen, our ancestors went to sleep with the sundown, which nobody does. They awoke with the sunrise, and then they spent the day, you know, in and out of the sun, and they were naked. So, you know, and trying to get to bed a little bit earlier, and anyone who's listening to this, I would just encourage you, and, you know, if you go to sleep at 1030, make it 930. If it's 930, make it 830. If it's 1 a.m., make it midnight. Do something to... Um, to get more congruent with nature. Because as you and I both know, 
the more time we're in the official light, especially after sundown, it just, just causes tremendous, tremendous damage. And I can only tell you, just looking back at my father, you know, my father lived in the artificial lights in the hospitals as a cardiologist in Chicago. How much sunshine did my father get? I mean, like never, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he didn't work on the weekends. So how many sunny weekends were there in Chicago in the summertime, right? I mean, maybe, you know, six or seven uh, compared to our ancestors were always naked in the sun and my father was never naked in the sun. These are all things that I find very empowering to teach the world. Uh, absolutely critical. Everybody feels best when they're walking in the sand, uh, barefoot on the beach, or standing in the grass. I think that's tremendous. Um, you know, and then just once again, you know, avoiding all these environmental pollutants and toxins. So anything you bring into your house, is it a toxic chemical or not? So look at your uh, your Glade, you know, plugins. Look at your laundry detergent, fabric softener, dryer sheets, your mattress, your flooring, your new furniture. Whatever it is, you know, think about that. There's so many different natural options these days, and so many people are getting on board with this. It's, it's really, really tremendous. And, and does your book outline a lot of these things? Oh, for sure. Okay, perfect. So sure. make sure you guys check out The Paleocardiologist, and obviously we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Now, Jack, what about exercise and type of exercise for people? What are you seeing in your practice, and, and kind of what are your recommendations for people uh, in terms of one movement, just generalized movement, and then as far as like structured exercise that it, you're seen to be beneficial, is there a type that you know is specifically beneficial for people with higher risk factors for cardiovascular disease, or is it just just start moving? Well, certainly, first and foremost, is just start moving uh, and walk in the morning, a walk after dinner. Uh, we live in Arizona, of course, so we've got some of the best hiking trails in the world. So get outside and go for a hike, go for a bike ride. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to spend 45 minutes in the gym while you're on the treadmill watching CNN. Uh, that, is, that is clearly uh, against the evidence. Uh, marathon runners have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, marathon runners and cyclists have a higher risk of atrial fibrillation because all, these, all those activities are inflammatory. And unless you are getting exposed to plenty of antioxidants, uh, you're going to be at increased risk. So of course, when you run a marathon, right, you, you, know, you run a mile, and then you have a power bar, and then a Gatorade, and a packet of goo. Sure. Uh, so I think that's obviously all problematic to most people. But I, I agree with you. I think movement is certainly key. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of yoga. Uh, I, I have a friend who's a cardiologist in Detroit. And his big thing is that yoga is more important than sun, more important than food, uh, more important than, than uh, sleep and relaxation. He says it's yoga. And I can't really argue with him. I mean, so let's just say, let's put it up on the pedestal next to everything else and say that that is a phenomenal activity. And that's something that anybody can start at any time in their life. There's classes and courses for, for anyone to do. And I think it's uh, fantastic. What is, it, what is it about yoga specifically that you think from a physiological standpoint is so beneficial for people? Well, I think that the uh, breathing, the movements that have been so honed and crafted over so many years, the flexibility training with it, the strength training with it, it that it's just all about body movement. It's not about uh, you know, getting a set of dumbbells or uh, or barbells, and, and we've all been down that road. And, and, and I don't mind doing some of that, uh, but I think that that can take a back seat towards, towards uh, the movement activities. And whether it's Qigong or mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of different movement organizations, as you know, that are springing up. And I spoke at Paleo Effects a couple of years ago, and it's like every other vendor up there, every other sponsor had some kind of movement program mm. uh, that they were doing. And I think it's, uh, I think it's all, all tremendous. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think definitely more ways that s someone can get moving and finding something that resonates with them. There's no one particular thing, but just get moving and find out the thing that you connect with and, and do it. And now I, I just want to jump back really quickly because you talked about uh, the research for suggesting that uh, marathons or, or a long distance endurance events are correlated to higher risk of of cardiovascular disease. Why is that? Is it just because it's more stressful on the body? Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's, first of all, it's not natural to do a, an Ironman. It's not natural yeah. in 26 miles. 
uh, our ancestors didn't do that. They, right. you know, they, they, as you know, they did sprint activity, burst aerobic activity, run after food, run away from being someone else's food, carrying water, you know, distances. That's what they did. So this heavy endurance activity, although I get the rush of it, and I've done marathons, and I've done triathlons, I've done all that, but as I said, it generates a lot of free radical damage. And unless you have something to match all of that free radical damage, all these heavy-duty antioxidants coming in, preferably from natural sources, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, and that's just what, what, the hist- what the literature shows. The literature shows that those marathon runners, they lay down a lot of coronary plaque the atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is because of inflammation. And that inflammation is, is coming from, you know, the unhealthy lifestyle. But even once again, you know, it's, it's, it's very common, as you know, I'm sure have you seen, you know, for the young athletes, and I say young being, you know, 30 and 40 year olds, and they're coming down with atrial fibrillation. It's a, um, it's epidemic uh, levels amongst those people. I see a lot of those athletes that come to see me with AFib and they're like miserable and we're able to guide them out of it when they follow the plan. Yeah, it seems like a lot of, of information that's coming out, a lot of things that people are talking about and a lot of uh, our experience are moving us closer towards the less is more approach and, and kind of especially from an exercise standpoint, it's like, why would we go out of our way or need to go out of our way to physically crush ourselves on a you know day in and day out basis? It just doesn't, from a physiological standpoint, it just doesn't really make much sense and therefore you know, can we get by with less? And what is sort of that dose response that, and it might mean significantly less food, but that in and of itself could be a good thing now with everything that we know about managing calories and possibly fasting and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So when you have clients come to you um, and you want to help them balance their physiology more naturally, obviously you subscribe to using supplementation what are some of the supplements that you've found and used to offset maybe statin use or some of the big things that you're consistently using in your practice that you find are the most valuable? Well, I think that everybody should take what I call the foundation five. And my foundation five is a multivitamin, a probiotic, a digestive enzyme, an omega-3 oil, and a daily greens drink. I think that's really, really critical. And that is certainly the foundation of a healthy supplements regimen. Even those people on the best diets, the food is different from where it was a thousand years ago, 5,000 years ago. Broccoli did not grow in Northern California. So you need to supplement. And I, when I do the advanced uh, testing markers and I look at intracellular vitamins and minerals, we see deficiencies all the time in people and even people that are quote unquote following the plan. So those are the foundations there. Uh, I love, uh, you know, just, you know, similar to your uh, energy recovery drink. Uh, I love the, you know, citrulline. I love the L-arginine. I love, you know, those amino acids that are so beneficial. I'm a big fan of beetroot powder. Beetroot powder just is so high in nitrates, which eventually gets converted in nitric oxide, which opens up blood vessels, lowers inflammation, lowers oxidative stress. Um, I'm a big fan of chlorella spirulina. Spirulina, yeah. for example, for cholesterol lowers total cholesterol by 47 points. Uh, another one of my favorite sur- supplements is berberine, B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E, and berberine, berberine is tremendous for, for lipids and for blood sugar and for brain health, uh, anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, heals leaky gut, uh, polycystic ovarian uh, um, uh, syndrome, PCOS, all that stuff. Berberine has literature on that. Uh, curcumin, everybody's talking about curcumin, and it's for good reason. It's just there's so much in the literature about what it does for LDLs how it improves HDL function, decreases the amount of, of tau, you know, protein being formed in the brain, uh, and therefore lower risk of Alzheimer's, on and on and on, anti-cancer, um, lowers inflammation, antioxidant. I mean, so, so there's, a, there's a lot of things in the natural space. And of course, took, you know, cook with a turmeric. You know? So like I said, open up that spice drawer and take out your curry powder, take out your turmeric powder and cook with it and use all those spices uh, rosemary, thyme, oregano, cumin, black cumin, marjoram, bay leaf. Those are all like nature's pharmaceuticals and crank them up into your diet uh, and you will do so well. So many of the prescription blood pressure drugs, they're the same thing as spices. I mean, the spices, you know, ginger does the same thing as angiotensin um, receptor blockers. Uh, ACE inhibitors are uh, oregano and uh, thyme. So 
uh, uh, vitamin D in and of itself is a direct renin inhibitor. So all the things that the pharmaceutical industry has developed drugs for, we've got natural remedies for. And when you know one of them is vitamin D, I mean, so uh, they can keep their prescription. I'll get my sunshine. I think I'll do better. Have you found any, are there any pharmaceuticals that you found to actually be beneficial for people um, where you're willing to kind of, you know, make that, you know, cross that road in terms of like specifically like metformin as an example of something that, you know, how supposed to help regulate blood sugar. Um, is are there any, anything like that? No. <laughs> cool. No, no, there's not. Fair um, enough. And many guys in my space, uh, you know, that think, yeah, you know, a little bit of aspirin, a little bit of statin, a little bit of metformin, you know, a little bit of an ACE inhibitor, a little bit of ARB, uh, that those things are beneficial. No, the answer is not. Uh, you know, sunshine helps improve blood sugar. Eating the right diet is, you know, for blood sugar, probiotics and blood sugar. And of course, as you mentioned, berberine. I'm not sure of the history of metformin and where it came from, but I'm sure it came from plants. It probably came from berberine. Uh, and mm. Uh, metformin has some very impressive data. I, I don't doubt that. There's you know 3,500 uh, studies that link metformin to anti-cancer, but why not just take berberine? Yeah. You know, well, sure. why not do it naturally? We don't need the pharmaceutical because what else is inside that metformin? What other kind of crap are they throwing inside of that capsule? Sure. So I'll choose the natural plant uh, remedy uh, any day over the over the prescription drug. And after that, I mean, listen for osteoporosis. Uh, it's vitamin K. Vitamin K, K2. K2 keeps calcium in the bones. Uh, those drugs are a miserable failure. Heartburn, you know, heartburn, we've got digestive enzymes. Us natural guys have answers for, for everything, and it's really exciting. What, what negative implications have you seen um, from statin use that people should be aware of if they're listening, maybe they're on a statin currently, or they're, you know, their doctor has suggested, or they're considering going on a statin to help regulate their uh, blood lipids, what should they be concerned about? Well, I think, you know, clearly that statin drugs, everybody admits are linked to muscle problems. Yes. Everybody admits that statin drugs are linked to liver problems. Uh, and that's even in mainstream. Now, where other people would deny this as a reality, except for those of us that have seen dozens of people with these conditions, would be severe muscle pains because of it, or cognitive issues because of it. There is a very well-known doctor, Dwayne Graveline, who wrote a book years ago called Lipitor, Thief of Memory. And I've seen that because once again, as you drive down lipid levels and you drive down cholesterol levels, where is it gonna pull from? The brain. Mm. The body is making this stuff for a reason. And if you don't give the body the tools it needs to get the job done, you'll be in trouble. I've seen men with hormone problems. I've seen men with uh, testosterone issues. I've seen women to develop um, female hormone issues. Of course, statin drugs are proven to reduce CoQ10 levels by 40%. And CoQ10 is critical as far as energy production in the mitochondria. Yep. It just, it, it makes common sense, you know, when you do that. So, um, and then, and then once again, you, the, the average person just doesn't understand what the benefit, if any, is of statin drugs. So statin drugs, as I talk about in my book, I don't say don't take statin drugs. I say, like anything, ask your doctor for numbers. And the numbers on statin drugs is that statin drugs can reduce your heart attack or your, your heart attack risk from 7 down to 5.8%. 7%? Okay. So you just said 7% to 5%. 7%, let's say, to 5.8%. Yeah. It's, it's a small percentage number. And when people hear that, they are just, uh, they're angry that they were put mm -hmm. on those drugs for a small benefit as reported by the pharmaceutical company. So we can go yeah. conspiracy and say whether or not that's even true. But nonetheless, let's take it for what it is. But the question is, can someone seeing Ben Brown, can someone seeing Jack Wolfson or contemporaries of ours, can we do better? Can we do better yeah. than 7%? or 5.8%, can we get them close to 0% risk? I believe that we can. We know that they can't. We know that their side is a failure. Their, their numbers yeah. are what they are, and that's not good enough. That's not good enough for me, wasn't good enough for my father, not good enough for my patients. Yeah, valid, good stuff, man. So Doc, 
where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can come to our website, certainly the doctorswolfson.com. It's my wife and I, our website, uh, T-H-E-D-R-S, wolfson.com. My book, The Paleocardiologist, available on my website, available on Amazon and bookstores and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, join us on Facebook and uh, glad to uh, uh, reach out. And uh, I want to congratulate you on your newborn baby girl. She's a couple months old. That's awesome. And so what are you doing right now to mitigate some of the sleep loss that you're likely going through and, and keep yourself healthy and the immune system supported? Uh, it's not easy, that's for sure. And especially when you're working and whatnot, it makes it really, really difficult. Uh, and it's really just, it's unfortunate because it's just not congruent with, with uh, lifestyle. First of all, uh, in paleo days, babies were healthier. They uh, weren't staying up all night. They were probably just absolute little gems. Unfortunately, in a modern society, we're, we're cre- uh, you know, uh, sicker children are, are created that have some of these difficulties you know, with sleeplessness. But even still, uh, we, I should be taking a nap every day, and I'm not. Mm. Uh, I'm working. I'm seeing patients. Uh, so I think that's one area that I've, I've struggled with. And otherwise, listen, I'm trying to get my sunshine. I'm trying to eat as healthy as possible, always staying organic, gluten-free, soy-free, and uh, you know, making sure that I, I try and at least get to bed on time and taking evidence-based supplements. So now we're just, uh, uh, you know, as far as keeping your immune system strong this time of year, you know, taking your vitamin A, taking your vitamin C. Uh, I love uh, Argent and Silver. Uh, taking that. I love glandular products. Yeah. Uh, there is a fantastic product, uh, you know, from Biotics, yeah. uh, which uh, said as I'm thigh, which is a thymus extract. Uh, so th- there, there's a lot of good ways to, uh, to prevent the sickness, I guess. True. Awesome. And just a couple more quick questions for you. So Jack, who, uh, who or what are one or two resources that you are continually learning from or that you've learned from over the past year? Wow. Uh, so I do, obviously, I, I read whenever possible. I'm on the internet. I usually comb through the medical studies and look at the literature there. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Jack Cruz, yeah. uh, K-R-U-S-E. He's, he's tremendous. I met him a uh, year and a half ago when we both spoke at Shelburne Farms, and I love the stuff that he's doing, and he's another big sunshine guy. Uh, and he was up there talking about sunshine, and I kind of grabbed my book. I'm like, hey, Jack, you know, take a look. You know, I, I've been recommending Sunshine for years as well. Uh, so Jack Cruz is great. Uh, and then just, uh, you, know, but, you know, some of these holistic websites, you know, whether it's uh, Green Med Info or my buddy, uh, my, you know, Mike Adams, the health ranger, he's yeah. got great stuff on there. There's, there's a lot of great content on, on the internet. And I also read some of the books that I think are definitely contrary to my opinion. Like I read the China study. Yeah. And I watched uh, 20 minutes of Forks Over Knives before I got sick. I couldn't get uh, through that. <laughs> I watched 20 minutes. I'm like, done. And people ask me that through. all the time. They're like, oh, have you seen this? I'm like, you know, I, I, it's just, it's so much of their propaganda that yeah. I just don't agree with. And, and there's just nothing that they're going to say that's going to shake or rattle my cage as, as to what they're doing. So, uh, you know, they have their agenda. And listen, I, and I know, Ben, you feel the same way. You're a great man. You're a great father you're an animal lover like anybody else is. And it's like, I, I hate the idea of, uh, of eating and having something else be killed for my expense. But if we're talking about the healthiest way to live, this is the way to do it. I wouldn't like pulling a, uh, you know, a cabbage from the ground because it kills a cabbage. I, wouldn't, I don't like the idea of killing an animal. Uh, but I would say this, why can't a vegan eat an oyster? D- does an oyster have any more or less feelings than beets? when you pull them, you know, from the ground. Sure. So uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, at least if you're a vegan, please eat oysters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, you know, that's for our next talk. We'll, we, we can go down that road into all of those, all of those things. Last question for you, doc. Um, okay. So you have one meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner for the rest of your life. Uh, that is available to you. What does that meal look like? Um, well, it's uh, it's definitely breakfast. Uh, it's definitely breakfast. So my breakfast is typically a green smoothie or a bowl of uh, nut seeds with nut milk and coconut flakes and raw cacao nibs, or it's uh, salmon and eggs. Does that awesome. answer your question? I, I, I love breakfast. Uh, if, if somebody asks me about intermittent fasting, I never say skip breakfast. I always say skip dinner. Yeah. dinner is always like this mega meal and then you go to bed and you never stop eating. 
I don't know. And, and to me, food, you know, energizes me. It charges me up for the day. Uh, I, I love to wake up to that. And that's just how I like to do it. Yeah. So to be fair, the question was, if you had one meal that you could only eat for breakfast, lunch, and oh. dinner, so you only have one meal, three meals a day, what is that meal? Is it like the salmon and eggs? Is it the... Uh... Ooh, okay, good. So I mean, I guess if we're looking to encompass everything healthy within that meal, uh, it's salad, it's uh, liver, uh, and uh, uh, an avocado. Awesome. Love it. And totally fair. I think that covers a ton of nutrients. But and uh, my salad dressing, it has to include the anchovies. So yeah. I, I, I got to get the Omegas. seafood in there. Love it. Particular salad dressing. That's the way. Cool, man. Love it. All right. Good stuff, brother. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, I I just have so much appreciation for you and everything that you're doing, your passion, your wisdom, your knowledge. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, like we're, we're probably like five minutes away from each other right now that we have to jump on a podcast to connect. (laughs) We'll have to get the families together again, uh, soon, but, uh, in the meantime, you take care and keep up the great work. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Dr. Jack Wolfson. If you want to find any of the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find those links over in the show notes at bslnutrition.com forward slash episode 49. And hey, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes so that we can help more people make smart nutrition simple. As I mentioned in the intro, if you found anything in this episode useful, if you found anything enlightening that you think someone you love could benefit from, then please share this with them because it's the only way for us to get this message out there, get more ears on our show so that we can ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. And so thank you so much for tuning in. I have so much appreciation for you, whether this is your first episode or you've been following us for close to a year now. It's been an unbelievable ride. And I'm just so grateful, grateful to be able to do this, to be able to share this knowledge and wisdom with you guys of so many incredible people from all around the world. Um, I hope you're finding value in it too. And please don't hesitate to let me know if there's anything that you're struggling with that I may be able to help with or answer questions about on the show. Uh, You can reach me directly, Ben, at bslnutrition.com. I'd love to hear from you. With that said, have a wonderful rest of your day and I will catch you next week. This episode was brought to you by BSL Nutrition and the Complete Essentials All-in-One Training Drink. If you've been looking for a comprehensive workout supplement that can help support great energy both in and around your workouts as well as reduce muscle soreness naturally without all the caffeine and artificial sweeteners, then head over to bslnutritionshop.com and type in podcast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase of either grape and or lemon lime.